0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on sports. I'm Bill Roden. Uh, I'm... Undisclosed location, uh, mid upstate New York, uh, and um, you know it's kind of semi snowy day. I- I'm actually waiting for the snow. That's to me. That's the only redeeming part of winter, is snow, you know, and snowstorms. But uh, I guess with global warming, well, that's another. That's another show. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm holding it up down here with uh, and, and down uh, in the city, my friend and co-host. The great uh Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's going on?
0: I'm good, Bill. Everything's good here in Brooklyn. Uh glad to be back on. Uh, lo- you know, a lot to talk about. We have a great guest that you're about to introduce. Uh, and you know, got NFL football, uh, big games coming up this weekend and some HBCU news uh that never seems to stop recently. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it and we do have a great guest and a lot of great issues. Uh And very happy, man, when you said that uh, uh, our guest uh, checked in. And um, i I reminded, he just came out with a great book. And, um, you know, uh, talk about the great David Steele, who is a uh, good friend. He's a colleague. Uh, We've known each other for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, so happy with everything he's accomplished and done. And now he's got a great book out uh, called It Was Always a Choice, Picking Up the Baton of Athlete Activism. I'm talking about none other than the great
2: David Steele. David, welcome, man. Welcome to the show. It is a pleasure and an honor to be to be on your show, man. I'm really glad to do it, man. I'm, I'm, I appreciate you guys inviting me on and get a chance to talk about these topics and about the book, man. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: Uh it's a very compelling book, man. Uh and it's so so uh fascinating. Uh, I remember your first book, and like 16 years ago. It was uh called Silent Gesture, and you did it with Tommy Smith. And uh from then to this one, it came out when what was it published? In 20, is it is it this year or 2022?
2: When did it hit the stage? It came out in the middle of uh, 2022. Yeah. And uh I'll say 2022 is a great year for books and uh trying to uh compete with all the uh, the great uh, great vis by some of our greatest uh, uh uh black writers and many of them we know so well. I'm sure we've been on the show a bunch of times and uh yeah but in the middle of last in the middle of last year and uh I'm pretty fortunate that the topics in it and the the topic uh, overall itself is still so timely. Yeah, it is very, it is timely. I guess that's the good news and the bad
1: news. So, you know, you did, you know, you did silent gesture with Tommy Smith, who of course is one half of the uh, iconic, you know, pair uh, that stood on the podium in 1968. Of course, we're talking about John Carlos. So what happened between, uh, um, well, the 16-year period where you wrote "Silent Gesture" till now? What happened? and What was the trigger that um, said, you know, it was time for me to to write this book? What, what what happened? Why why were you motivated to do it?
2: Well, the the uh, the genesis of the of the book really was uh, a piece that I did uh, for the Sporting News at the time I was working for them in uh, twenty eighteen, and I started working on it in in twenty seventeen, uh, looking forward to the fiftieth anniversary. Of, uh, of Mexico City uh, to talk about, you know, what has happened on this front since then? What, you know, where have uh, athletes gone and what have they done and, and in a lot of cases, what have they not done uh, in the uh, intervening 50 years to use their platform to uh, to speak out on the issues that were most relevant to people overall, to black people here in America specifically, and to obviously the group that they belong to. Um, so I got a chance to talk to Tommy Smith, but, uh, about, about that again, uh, but also just sort of encapsulate everything that was going on, even in that moment, which the biggest thing that was going on in that time period was Colin Kaepernick. And, uh, uh, at that time, as I was writing the story, he'd already been out of the NFL for a couple of years, uh, after he had uh, begun kneeling during the uh, 2016 season. Uh, and I just started looking through, uh, you know, the, the 50 years. But as I was working on it, I decided let's also take a look back and see what led up to 1968. And then let's talk about what, you know, what, what led away from it. It brought us at that time to the point where so many athletes across so many different sports were making the decision about whether to speak out to join uh, either specifically Colin Kaepernick's um, uh, quest or to, you know, sort of follow his lead on whatever it is that they wanted to uh, speak out on. So uh, I ended up doing that uh, that piece that came out in uh, around October 2018, uh, and then in the in the in, the, in the two years after that, uh, we continued to follow Colin Kaepernick's story. We got to 2020 and saw the George Floyd protests, and we saw what athletes did about that. We saw uh, you know the way that again they were making choices about whether to speak out or to stay quiet and sort of support the status quo. And during that time, I also joined the vast ranks of the unemployed when Sporting News let me go, um, and I was looking for a, a you know a way to just sort of stay uh, you know to keep my feet in the field uh, more or less. And I had the idea of saying, "Hey, let's marry," you know that 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 talk about you know the 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 genesis of the athlete's uh, activism uh, going through 1968, looking at the 50 years and then looking at what's going on since then and try to put it all on some sort of a continuum, which was pretty challenging in a lot of ways, but say like, how do we tell the story of what was happening during the movement in 2020 and 2021 through the lens of everything that was going on in history, but specifically through things like 1968 and some of the events that were going on around there. And that's how the book came about.
1: Yeah. Uh, let, Let me ask you this, I know Jamal's got a question, but what, and this is something I'm thinking of now, what is the state, I mean, it's a simple question, but what's the state of activism now? I mean, was Kaepernick sort of the large, the last major um, uh, act of, you know, sort of visible activism? Um, yeah, what, what, as you're documenting this, where are we now with this? Is, is, are guys making too much money? Have we moved on? Um, Has it become corporate activism? Uh, You do your thing, ism. You do your thing, I do my thing. You know, we all, everybody got a thing. What is, what's the thing now?
2: Yeah, and and that was really one of the the really fascinating things about uh, doing this book, sort of recognizing that from the time that the book was conceived, which again was uh, after all the Everything that was going on during like again in 2020 George floyd protest the pandemic you know the bubble uh yeah. all those things that were going on it's like how much is going to change just in the time frame between you're writing all this and witnessing all this uh in the moment and by the time the book hits the hits the uh, bookshelves and what and a lot of what we've seen is that all of that energy you know all that uh you know it, you know all, all that renewed awakened uh you know, activism has died down again in a lot of ways. I mean, Colin Kaepernick still is the figure that he was, you know, but more, more, more symbolically because he's, he's not present. He's not on the field. He's not there doing things, you know, the way that he was doing it, fi- you know, five or six years ago. The athletes who were so up in arms and so ready to, to, to shake things up and move mountains and, and challenge everything have kind of stepped back and have just sort of fallen back. Into the same routines that had been going on all the years le- leading up to uh leading up to that, uh, everything that had that it sort of begun to cool between what Colin Kaepernick first did to what was going on you know in 2020, you know had heated up during that time, all sort of you know took a step back and sort of eased back, and now you look now you 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 don't see anybody you know making any really firm solid motions gestures sending messages at any specific times, not using the national anthem as a platform, not using really anything else as a platform, to the point where even if you look at say, you know, every five minutes, you see a commercial for the, the Super Bowl halftime show. Rihanna's doing the Super Bowl halftime show. You know, we're back to just saying, hey, let's just use the Super Bowl uh, halftime show as a way to entertain, when there was a whole bunch of people boycotting that for a few years, saying, we're not going to buy into this. We're going to stand behind Colin going to stand well, behind this mo behind this movement well, that's all out the window now. it was
1: really it was really just the one year right it was a one year it was one year and then jay-z said all right fuck that you yeah know?
2: that's that's what i was going to say deal
1: with the devil. <laughs> come on everybody come 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 wherever you are right?
2: <laughs> yeah 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 and i made sure i addressed that thankfully that all sort of emerged just in time to add that to the uh to the book to the uh, Inspire Change is that the name of it. I, I, it's just, it's such a mild, meek uh, saying that the NFL and Jay Z uh, put their heads together to adopt, and now you got the little thing on the back of the helmets, and, and the the line in the back of the end zone yep, and right. racism, and right. the NBA, NFL can pat itself on the back and say, "Well, we did our part. We've uh, you know we we've changed the world. We we've inspired the world to do this." And Jay Z uh, cashes his checks and. And uh, now Snoop is back, and Rihanna, <laughs> A.J. Funny. is back, so we're, go- we're all good now.
0: <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the like you you bring up Rihanna, like that's really the biggest change. All of a sudden, you know, now now you're getting Rihanna, and you're getting you know it could be Beyonce, but all, that's like the change they're making that will give you the entertainment. <laughs> we'll give you we'll give you we'll give the black people the entertainment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
2: that's all. You know that'll be enough. Yeah. That'll that'll hold them for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, I guess they don't have to uh they, they could take a break from inviting uh uh Paul McCartney and Jagger exactly. and uh, exactly, those yeah. guys like, yeah, well they'll they'll be happy about that. We've real this is just, what a step forward this has been for the NFL. We're with you, you're on the same page with you. Right. You know, we're walking arm in arm with this. We got Rihanna. Otherwise, oh 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 and by the way, don't pay any attention to all the coaches who are suing the league for uh for right. discrimination. Right. <laughs> all I'm of that. See. So yeah. So,
1: yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Jamal.
2: No, I was just going to ask
0: kind of almost along the same lines, but just, you know, from doing, you know, doing the research, thinking about it uh, from, you know, from the 60s to now, what was most surprising to you about either the differences of protest or how it's changed or the similarities of the situation?
2: Well, I, I think what I saw as we looked, you know, sort of went forward from 1968 and into everything that was going on surrounding uh, Colin Kaepernick and the years surrounding that and what what went on even going forward into, uh, into 2020 was that it kind of reinforced um, an important theme that emerged while doing the uh, book with, uh, with, with Tommy Smith, which was that Tommy Smith and John Carlos in a lot of ways with very, very few exceptions, you can like, you can count them on one hand, the number of athletes who stood with him, with them and aligned with them and were not, afraid to speak up now of course they did it after they stood up and raised their fists on the uh, on the metal stand you know and you know uh after all the backlash came and after all the resistance and all the booing you know none of those athletes had done anything before that or joined them in that protest but afterwards there was a handful of them that stood with them but the vast 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 majority of even just the other black athletes there in 1968 didn't want anything to do with it. You know, they wanted to back away. They they said they all had reasons for not wanting to boycott the games themselves. They had reasons for not wanting to engage in any protest to to really do any pushback to speak up on their behalf. You know, they all wanted to sort of you know mind their mind their business and sort of stay within themselves and not really uh, run afoul of either the U.S. government, the USOC, the IOC, Avery Brundage all the people that Tommy Smith and John Carlos are standing up against fast forward 50 so odd years, Colin Kaepernick for the most part, not just in the NFL, but across the, uh, across the board in sports, you know, with again, a, a handful of exceptions, very prominent exceptions in some cases, but for the most part, you know, still a tiny number In you know, when you compare it to like, just, just how many, you know, athletes are in the spotlight on the pro and college level on the national and international level wanted anything to do with that you know they stayed away as well they kept stand they kept standing at attention you know they 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 went along with the league they went along with the team they went along with their coaches who were admonishing them about uh you know about about uh stepping out and step and 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 taking a knee and speaking out or raising a fist or whatever it was once again it's a tiny number of athletes who took who, who took that stand and who made that choice and it took advantage of the opportunity and because it was just them against everybody else that's the reason they had such an impact but it's also the reason they remembered you know more so than than a lot of the other athletes were and there were some athletes who were very very prominent in making sure that nobody <laughs> would ever you know, uh, conflate them with any sort of protest or activism or joining up a Colin Kaepernick or associating with them in every way, in any way whatsoever. So right. I felt that they needed the kind of attention that, that a book like that should give them.
1: Who's that? Who, who is that? Who was some of the athletes, uh, the prominent athletes? I, I mean, my, my overall question was uh, sort of your argument, uh, is, is this kind of over? But uh, who were some of the athletes who pushed back? Who basically said, you know, not on my watch, you know.
2: <laughs> well, the biggest one in in terms of what in in terms of 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 what's been going on recently, and again, when we sort of look through the lens of what was going on with uh, with Tom Kaepernick, Kaepernick. Uh, Dak Prescott was uh, one of those athletes that did that, since he's very much in the news right now. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> for, for, uh, for I lottery. forgot about that man. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I forgot
1: about that man. I'm gonna have to kind
0: of. Yeah.
2: Karma's a motherfucker.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Isn't this, <laughs> it? something? Isn't it something? What did you say? What,
1: what did you say about <laughs> the
2: uh, well, do, 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 do. well, Jerry Jones had uh, as as he does, and, right. and we've certainly gotten a lot more context about Jerry Jones in the last few months. Right. That photo, right. 1957, right. in Little Rock. Um, Jerry Jones was very explicit as one of the, uh, many owners who, and again, we want to put this in the context of everything that was going on, which was that, uh, obviously Donald Trump was, 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 was the engine behind so much of the fight against the athletes, specifically NFL athletes and Colin Kaepernick and doing this, you know, Jerry Jones was, you know, came right out and said, no, my players are going to stand up at attention when the anthem plays, they're going to toe the line. I think it was those were his exact words, and uh, and this the, he said this during training camp. Uh, not long, after, I think maybe it was the very next one after all the uh, after Colin Kaepernick had basically been pushed out of the league. Uh, and everyone came to Dak Prescott as you know quarterback of America's team, you know the most prominent face holding one of the most prominent positions, you know in all sports, uh, and he you know in so many words said. No, nope, uh, you know, this is my country. I'm gonna stand at attention. I don't think this is anything any of us should be concerned about. You know, we should be focusing on football. You know, this is something to be left alone to somebody else. And again, Dak Prescott was raised in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's 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 keep hey, but So was
1: Fanny, <laughs> Fanny, 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 Lou Hamer. I mean, you
2: know. <laughs> maybe, maybe Dak wasn't aware of that. Maybe they didn't uh, that, maybe oh, they yeah. didn't teach that in Mississippi. State. I'm sure, I'm know. sure they don't. I'm sure they don't. <laughs> Not part of the curriculum, man. No, no. Um, and and one of the things that 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 was real visible on that, and this may be something that sort of gets lost in history re- uh, really quickly. Somebody in Dallas uh, painted a mural of Dak Prescott. You know, in the days immediately following uh, him making that statement, and they painted him as the character in Get Out. Uh, <laughs> <with> the- <laughs> <laughs> the tears rolling down his face and his mouth hanging open, uh, to sort of uh symbolize exactly what he uh, uh, uh what he felt. But he was, you know, in terms of the NFL and sort of the, the position that he uh, that he was in, he was one of them. Uh, Michael Vick was out of the league at the time. You know, he was pretty. You know, uh, uh, uh he he, had, he was he was one of the guys who would, would admonish uh Colin Kaepernick on the air, saying, "Well, right. if you need to get your act together, if you want to be back in the league, Ray Lewis." One mm. of those other players as well who played this whole game of I'm going to investigate Colin, but I'm also going to, you know, uh, you know, give him a stern lecture about uh, what his conduct should be if, if if he wants the Ravens to sign him. Uh, Jim Brown, uh, our old friend, um, <laughs> was very much, you know, don't disrespect America. You know, I, I see his point, but, you know, don't disrespect the flag. Don't disrespect the troops. Uh, that sort of thing. And that's just among the, uh, the the prominent Black athletes that did that. I mean, we also have like the Drew Breeses and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and players like that who, you know, who wasted no time to step out and speak out uh, against what he was doing then. And continue to do so years afterwards, whenever the, whenever the topic came up.
1: Yeah. Man, this is demoralizing. So what what so, is... So what's the way forward? In other words, well, well, let me ask you this question. What do you make of, and I'm not sure how much Deion Sanders figured into your equation, but that could almost pass as <laughs> activism. The fact that, you know, he went to an HBCU, you know, it was an act of activism and yes. recruited, you know, Travis Hunter, you know. So yes. for two years he was an activist. Then, of course, he went to, you know, he, he did, yes. you know, he pulled the Uncle Tom and went to yes. Colorado. Uh, what, was, what, what what do you think of uh, Deion Sanders?
2: you know and that, and that's really fascinating again, that just sort of that goes into it's like you you sort of knew you know at the time that, that that you're writing it it's like you know everything could turn upside down all over again by the time this thing even hits the uh, uh, hits, hits the hits the bookshelves. Um, yeah, he seemed like such a crusader in the moment. I mean, everybody had their you know understandable skepticism, but the hopes were. You know suppose he really is committing himself to this cause. it's one that I mean look Bill, you you you've been out in front of this for years. I mean, going back to 40 million dollars slaves. I mean this you know it, 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 and I think what was really fascinating about it was that again, when the up you know when the unrest occurred in 2020, uh and people really were their people's eyes were being opened on so many different levels. One of them was, Look, we see what's going on in these colleges—not just on the athletic side, but the educational side. They do not care about us. Our, be- you know, they do not have our best interests in mind. You know, should we turn turn back to the HBCUs? Stop running to the predominantly white universities to, uh, you know, to thinking there that they're going to benefit us at the same time that we're benefiting them. You know, it felt for a moment that it was a real movement, and the fact that this was happening. On a big stage like you know uh, intercollegiate football, you know at a prominent D one, the whole, you know the 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 home of Walter Payton and Jackie Slater and just everything you know that, that at the very heart of uh, of black of black college sports that a that a figure like Deion Sanders was planting his he was going to plant his feet there he was going he was going to you know grow something he was going to bring those players in he was going to prove the point that this that that this system and and this framework and this foundation is what's best for us. I think a lot of us bought into it. You know, a lot of us talked ourselves out of the notion that he's going to jump at the first uh, big time power five job that comes along after he has, you know, gotten himself on the big stage, uh, you know, through, through, through the venue of Jackson state, but we saw what he did. And I think there should not have been all that unexpected, but you know, we, 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 we sold ourselves on it for the most part. And, you know, We're, I don't know if the revolution is going to restart again. I don't know how. Clearly, Ed Reed ain't going to be the guy starting it. We <laughs> anticipate that he might possibly be. That's gone up in smoke now. Who would be the next one? Maybe there won't maybe be. Maybe it would be that. Lamar Jackson. Maybe, maybe, it'll be, <laughs> maybe Lamar
1: Jackson. Maybe he'll say, he'll say, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, I'm not. That's, what he, that's I had thought about that. Maybe that will be the next thing of activism. Lamar Jackson, now that, you know, these guys, it almost has to they almost have to be slapped in the face that you basically are a servant. You know, you basically yeah. know how much you, you are basically a servant and you are a cog in the wheel. And it until it hits them in the face, and I guess all of us, you know, you kind of play along with us. so maybe Lamar was when they when they franchise tag him, hmm. maybe he'll say, You know what? I'm not gonna play, I'm gonna be the head coach to fam you. Or you know, maybe I'm the head coach at bethune Cookman
0: for a year, for a season, you know. yeah, yeah, or, or I mean, or or it can have the opposite effect, you know, where like uh, Michael Vick or Ray Lewis, who were, who were slapped down, went through the system, punished for, and then and then it it set them straight in the eyes of uh, of some people. Right. But we're, <laughs> but get, but getting back to Dion and 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 kind of in the context of your book, where that it just made me think, like where would where would we put Dion? Uh, you know, is there a category? Because he, because it's not like he did all bad, right? He did, he did go there, and obviously was self-serving. Um, but he talked, he talked a good game. You know that that talk might have helped, you know, momentarily. You know what I mean? So where, yeah. where, where is Dion in this on this uh, scale? Well,
2: I, I think he got. I think you you said the right word, momentarily. Right. And I think that was the the most worrisome thing about it was that it was portrayed in so many ways as if this was going to you know be a permanent uh, uplift to uh, to everything related to uh to to HBCU sports and to HB, the HBCU system uh overall one that's a little demeaning because it ain't like you know <laughs> black colleges are like some sort of like you know uh destitute right. broken neglected i mean Obviously, they've been neglected in a lot of ways by people who should know better and who should be the ones who are supporting it, rather than you know, sort of sitting back and letting all the infighting take place. And they sit back and, and believe they have clean hands. And by that, I mean all these states and institutions who don't want to give who don't want to give them the money that they owe them. But you know, it, it is. I mean, we're, we're we're a country that's full of HBCU grads. I mean, we're literally talking on right now. And, you know, who, who did not need the validation of, you know, of, of, a, of a white university that 50 years ago would have, you know, rejected them outright, rejected her outright, rejected all of us uh, outright, you know, they have done they've they have done what they had set out to do, they've educated us and they've, and they have, you know, created, you know, a foundation for for so the success of uh, uh, of so many of us, so they didn't need Deion Sanders to save them, to rescue them, to be their savior or anything like that. yet within that, you know, it would have been nice to have just a a push toward removing, you know, an unfair, unjustified stigma, but it's a stigma nonetheless. You know, people look down on on HBCUs and HBCU sports. They shouldn't have to. They shouldn't have to have like a separate combine just to, to look at the, the, the athletes from the HBCUs. it shouldn't have to have a separate network. They shouldn't have to like fight for the scraps on, you know, ESPN four or five or whatever network, you know, shows, uh, HBCU games. It shouldn't have to be on, you know, on your, on your cousin's, you know, uh, Wi-Fi network to show the, uh, CIAA tournament when, you know, they've, they, all the, all the, all the white turn of uh, conference tournaments are on ESPN 24 hours a day during, uh, during tournament week or March Madness or whatever, um, but if there's a, a chance to give it visibility through a big name athlete, you know the athlete has to be behind it. That's the whole thing. They have to be committed to it. You know, they don't have to say, "Hey, I'm just going to use this as a stepping stone." They have to say, "No, I'm in it for the long haul." You know, right? I, you know, I'll be the guy who's here for ten years or fifteen years or twenty years. I'll be this generation's, you know, Eddie Robinson or whatever. You know, I'm not just going to use this and go to. Co- I mean, Colorado. Right, Colorado. <laughs> they like he went to Ohio State or USC or something like it. He right. went to Colorado
0: or Florida State or yeah, no. Right. And, and it was like literally what you said in terms of you know we we were wondering if he was going to be if he would just he was if he was just going to be there and then take the first uh you know power five offer and he literally did that the first yeah. power <laughs> five offer Colorado of all places
2: yeah yeah how's that how, yeah. literally how's that going to work out. Yeah, now, I mean, I never I never
1: expect anything more uh, wow. than that. I mean, you it's kind of like, I mean, I hate to, probably get in trouble, but it's kind of like Al Sharpton, you know, like when a guy comes in, you just know, I mean, he's like basically telling you, listen, you know I'm full of shit. You know? <laughs> and you, you know, and if you go for this stuff, but you know what it is, you know what the deal is, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but I guess we're so just... Um, I was just thinking about, at, at, uh, I do want to get back to um, uh, your book and, and uh, uh, well, if I, if I go down memory lane, how heartened are you? I mean, you, you you spent a couple of years, actually more than that, doing this book and holding your breath because every day is something else. You know, every day, you know, you had the bubble and the NFL, So said, okay, all right, all right, you can put this on your cleats. Okay, you could. You know the, the NBA said, all right, "All right, we could we could put stuff on the ball in the court." You know while you guys are in this bubble. You know we'll give you you know we'll let you all blow off steam. But how heartened are you uh, in the in the first month of twenty twenty three? Do you think that activism will take another turn? I mean, clearly are our, our the issues income the the wealth gap. Um Even on the field, you know, coaching changes, people in the front office you know it's not that that's going away. so what changes do you think activism will will, will take
2: well uh, once again it's it's, it's going to be up to the the athletes actually on the field or, or on the court or 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 where, or, or in the ballpark or where, wherever they are to decide that they're going to sacrifice something pretty important to take a stand like that. And the thing is you never know exactly when it's going to happen. I mean, one thing about 1968, there was like a year and a half or so buildup towards something. Everybody knew by the time the games began that the black act was going to do something because it was like this entire topic of discussion all the time. On the other hand, Colin Kaepernick, that, co- that completely came out of the blue. Nobody saw that coming at all, and in a sense, in the bubble, there was like obviously a very big uh, trigger to what happened when athletes began to protest and kneel and uh, boycott games and things like that. Or and I, I, I should have said boycott because they went on strike. I've got to, I don't want to, you know, make those two terms interchangeable. But have NBA to have NBA and WNBA players walk out the way they did. It obviously was something really nightmarish that triggered it in in the, the video of George Floyd. Um, but you know, they, the athletes have to decide, and that's kind of why the book was titled what it was. It's a choice to say, this could end badly for me personally, but long-term so many people are going to benefit from it. This could change things so drastically and so dramatically. So if I stay away from this tournament or if I step away from this game, or if we collectively say, you know, we're not going to sign with X franchise or X, or, or, or X owner, or, uh, you know, I'm going to refuse to be drafted by this, 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 this uh, franchise, or if we're not going to sign as recruits at this college or university where these things are going on, knowing that, you know, it's going to cost them something personally, but it's going to send such a loud message that it's going to be completely impossible to ignore. That's going to draw a a vicious reaction because they always do. But it's also going to draw support from places that, you know, that you would have never expected because people genuinely, because they know history, they're going to realize that, you know, they just never expect, you know, athletes with so much at stake, so much financially and socially at stake to make choices like that. If they decide to make those choices, then it's going to have a huge impact because history says that it always does, but it always comes at a great cost for all those uh for all those athletes.
0: When you when you look at I mean you're like I think the last chapter you have from pariah to icon um and that it always seems to happen like that you know whether in sports or not you know all the the you know social justice icons were pariahs at first but then you know you also have in chapter 9 you know O J Michael and Tiger dropped the baton all all those guys were iconic too you know you know, you know, staying away from those, those issues. So I just wonder, you know, what's, is there a, you know, there's really not that message that one fails and the other is successful. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not people, people could say, you know, if I stay away, I could be like Mike, I could be like Tiger. Like, you know, they did fine,
2: you know, so it's kind of a
0: it's conflicting (laughs) ways to become an icon.
2: uh, That's the allure. Yeah. That's the, that's the draw. If they to, and it's so funny when you had mentioned uh, Dion earlier. The first thought I had was I probably could have included Dion in that. Uh, you could, you in actually that, in that chapter in particular. You actually
1: could have. You actually could have, that, but, you're people like Dion, and I guess we all we're all in a tough place because we hate to call out, you know, people. Right. I'm just thinking just just yesterday, Tony Dungy mm-hmm. is now who's one of the nicest guys in our business and who I've collaborated with on particularly black coaches stuff you know i mean i think he's solid he's solid on the racism thing you know but when you yeah. start talking to this yeah. other stuff you know about the uh, uh, you know it uh, how do you how do we put each other where do we place each other you know I'm,
2: you know yeah. yeah yeah and that that makes it that makes it even more complicated because I think that and you know it's again it's the very very rare uh, athlete slash activist that ends up proving themselves to be a you know capable of encompassing all of it. Right. You know, one of the things that Thomas Smith and John Carlos talk about all the time uh, about nineteen sixty eight uh, because people sort of uh, they, they they instinctively describe it as a civil rights protest. They say and they always without fail say correct people and say it wasn't right. civil rights it was human rights right. so they, they say they were standing up for everybody right. um you know you use the example of tony dungy clearly he's not standing up for everybody he's very very distinct and very very specific about what he stands up about what he stands up for and then you know says the things that he says and backs the positions that he backs that are not you know humanist or holistic in any way, uh, you know, and, and, and as great as it is. And, and that's the conflict that, you know, we've all had. It's like, we've had these conversations with him before about black coaches, really great, enlightening conversations about his history and everything that he's done and said about black coaches. And then you hear the stuff he spouts about everything else, everybody else, and then uses as a, you know, uses it a, a religious basis uh, for, for believing that. And I'm like, man, you know, White ministers and white priests said the exact same thing about us 50 years ago, 60, 70, yeah. 80, 100 years ago. Martin Luther yeah. King had a whole thing, had a whole letter about that that may, some people may have heard about from a certain jail down south. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, that that's why the, the the challenge is so big. You know, intersectionality is something that you tried on a lot of levels to 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 sort of approach in the book. Uh, I devoted a lot of time and space to the WNBA. Mm. Yeah. The way great. that and specifically about the players themselves, not the league. Right. That's a very distinct thing. <laughs> it's very right. important that people sort of make that distinction. But we saw, you know, again, a league that isn't quite as majority black as the NBA is, but still was majority black. And the white players, the Sue Birds, the Breonna Stewart, and, 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 and players like that, you know, got, you know, all got on board with it. And then when they said, no, we're going to take it even a step further. And do something about this racist stoner down in Atlanta, who's, a, who's who was also a sitting US senator. They all got together and got behind a black candidate to do that when it was, you know, was it necessarily in their best interest, those white players best interest to do that? You know, who knows? But they decided that it was. They decided to make that sack or they decided to put themselves out there like that. You know, they all got behind Brittany Griner. Again, something else that developed after the book came out. Right. You know, they all lined up in complete unanimity, you know, behind her on that. You know, they didn't split down political lines. They didn't split down racial lines. They all said, no, we are all behind her. This is why. This is what we're going to do about it. This is why we are never, ever, ever going to shut up about it. And, of course, they caught just enormous backlash about it. And, you know, they all decided that they could live with that. You know, again, you, you hear no dissenting voices out there. Uh, Whereas, you know, you go into the other sports and you're like, you know, got people making big speeches about how, you know, kneeling will never do this and, you know, raising your fist will never do that. And just. Right. You know, they say, well, we'll we'll, 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 we'll take a little bit of a step, maybe a little baby step, but the big leap that's necessary. We really don't want any part of that. Cause you're talking about
1: them backing grind. this is pre the de- right. detention in Russia they were mm-hmm. backing her about about the uh wasn't she one of the first ones to not stand for the national yes University? yes
2: she was one of the she players and the WNBA players really you know uh chronologically uh began protesting and began kneeling and began speaking out about yeah. police brutality like a month before just because they, they were in season and the NFL season uh hadn't even, had hadn't begun training camp yet so they had begun with that. But yeah, Brittany Griner was one of the players. She did it in the NBA finals, the WNBA finals that year. One of several players along with her teammates to take a knee during the National Anthem. In some cases, players refused to come out of the locker room during the National Anthem. Uh, they spoke for four games, you know, uh, in the bubble. You know, they actually sort of beat the uh, Bucks and the rest of the NBA teams to the punch uh, on saying we're we're refusing to play. Uh, out of respect for Jacob Blake and what went on in, uh, in in Kenosha, you know, they came out of all across the league, Place came out with the T-shirts with bullet holes in the back, drawn on the back of them. So <laughs> now, they have always been they have always been aggressors. Yeah. And Brittany Griner was literally one of the leaders, one of the spokespeople about that. So when she, you know, when she get, and you know, ends up in the situation that she ended up in, you know, they were all they were all behind her there as well. So. It was kind of a foreshadowing, in a sense of a, you know what we saw from uh, women athletes across the board, but WNBA players in particular, uh, and how they stood stood up for her and spoke out for her.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh, two things before we let you go, before you let us go, uh, um, there, there are two things uh, in terms of role. I I, I thought that uh, last summer when the uh, when the racist white guy went to in Buffalo went to uh, the store and slaughtered, you know, black folks. And I thought that the Buffalo Bills, you know, you see how they rally around DeMar Hamlin, you know, when it serves the NFL's interest to like, try to like, you know, get us to like, yeah, you know, he's okay. He's okay. You know, but I thought that the Buffalo Bills did a real disservice. They could have, and the league could have really made a statement, a major statement about how they stand against, that type of racism, how they stand against so-and-so, how they, it could have been very public. And I know at some point they huddled and gave, you know, $50,000 or something. But to me, that was like a major point. And, and maybe there's these things that arise you know, where athletes you know, I, I guess again, I'll ask you about the people's commitment to the stuff, of this generation's commitment. But it's in the, these these things that come up where your players, you know, there's a massacre uh in Buffalo, which is clearly a hate crime. And your players say, listen, you know, we gotta, you, you know, the organization's got to, at this point was high profile, you gotta say something. You gotta condemn the racist and the racism. Because many of many of those motherfuckers are probably in the stands, you know, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I want so I want you think about that, but also when you're talking about the white players you had the chapter when you talked about the uh, white allies, uh, and you know uh, the Popovich, um
2: uh, uh, right. who, who Steve Kerr, Stan yeah, Steve. Van Gundy, uh, yeah. some of the NFL players, uh, Chris Long, yeah. uh, and obviously you know Peter Norman from 1968 is right. kind of the one who de- who, de- who defines all of that. Right. Um. um but to go to 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 go back to the 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 the, the buffalo uh massacre uh the, the you know the race massacre uh question yeah that really kind of encapsulates a lot of what you know what we, what we talk about in terms of how everything has been sort of allowed to regress to the status quo it's gone back to normal and again this is something that was this was something that was always prominent throughout the pandemic it's like when are we going to get back to normal when everybody who was involved really needed to say, hey, this is an opportunity to just have a huge cultural and social, social reset. You know, normal wasn't good enough. Normal led us to where we are, where we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're in the middle of, you know, protest marches from coast to coast, where people are out in the street dealing with the cops and dealing with just society in general, and dealing with obviously a White House administration that was bent on, on breaking their backs. Uh, and here we are, two years, two years, you know, coming up on three entire years later. And you see incidents like that. And you see opportunities just completely missed. You see players who miss the opportunity. You see a, a, a franchise that misses the opportunity. And you see a league, any one of those entities could have said something, could have done something, you know, ideally it should have been the players, you know, not not necessarily just the black players, but certainly the black players saying, this is our town. These are our people. That's our grocery store. That's our neighborhood. You know, we can say something about it that would wake everybody up, you know, then the, the bills would have to, would have to get on board. And the league would have to get on board, you know, and go beyond again, writing something in the back of the end zone, and putting some little platitudes on the back of your helmet or writing it on your shoes or whatever, you know, this is an opportunity. And it kind of goes back to what we are talking about, uh, 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 Kaepernick, uh, you have players, you know, look, you got players on the, on the giants and jets who are saying, Oh, that would never be me. I would never do anything like that. I would never disrespect the troops or the cops or the flag. It's like Eric Garner was right in your city. Right. You know, you know, why would you be quite you know, they, this is he putting all this out on, on, on blast like this? Like that. why why would you not do that? You know? Where where were the Vikings players when Philando Castile got right, killed? Right. Let you me know, let, where let, were the Saints players let, when let, let, Sterling got killed? Wait, let, me,
0: let me ask you this. So I mean do you think do you think in the in this if let's say in in the sixties, late sixties, would it was it different? Was it like if something if something like that had happened uh, in in Buffalo or wherever uh would were the black players then more apt to to say and do something than the than the players of today are are the players of today in tune with with what's going on out there as much so as, as players were back then do you think there's a difference at all or no
2: you know the answer is kind of yes and kind of no because <laughs> there were you know the, the circumstances back then I mean clearly, there wasn't a, a, a gap in, in, in wealth and salary and experience. I mean, there were, you know, they were making more than the average, you know, uh, regular person back in the sixties and in the seventies, seventies, when it really started to grow. And, you know, the, the the distance between how they were living their lives and how these regular people were living their lives was almost just unconquerable. But back then it was a whole lot closer. And you did see you know, incidents and things like that where, they, where the athletes would, you know, uh, would be the ones who, who spoke up. And again, not all of them. Right. But, um, you know, didn't want to risk, you know, what little money they had and stuff. But certainly you see less of it now because there's less of it. Like, you know, they st- we're all still growing up pretty much the same way. But once they step over that threshold, once they make it to the pros, and even the very first contract they sign separates them from everybody else that they've ever been around, in their entire life puts them in an entirely different universe in a lot of ways. There's a distance that that grows and it it just isn't, the gap isn't closed just by, you know, uh, making visits back to the neighborhood and writing a check and, you know, posing and things like that. You know, it's that level of engagement saying, no, we'll, we, you know, we're not going to stand for this and you all are going to listen to us because, you know, you come out here and, you know, turn us into heroes every Sunday or, or every night of the week or whatever, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're going to listen to us because, you know, you know we're here. You can't, you can't ignore us. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if players recognize that there are people who try to tell them that you try to remind, they don't listen to us You know right. as the, and we've, 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 we've right, talked about it,
0: right. We, we've talked about this on the show plenty of times where athletes na- and nowadays athletes are separated your term you know they're separated at an earlier age now like so you know they're, they're plucked out from you know they could be in eighth ninth grade they're plucked out and told that they're they're different and they're pr- pretty much raised a separate way um and 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 instructed not you know how to, how to act if you want to become a professional athlete and then also like in terms of you know having a leader or someone step up, not everybody can do that, right? Not everybody can yeah. be that Kaepernick. I mean, um, you you have you have to be careful exactly how you say it, not that Kaepernick was perfect at all, but but you know, you look at a guy like Kyrie, who may have been trying to, you know, lead on some level in his own mind, and that obviously backfired.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was guided. Yeah, what what do you think of a guy like Kyrie, uh Dave? When we're talking about all these sort of would-be, you know, you know, it's kind of like Tony Dungy in, in some ways where cool here, cool on this front, well, on this front, you know, you got, you know, and then with Kyrie, it's kind of like cool on this front, but in outer space somewhere.
2: Right. You know? And it's 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 exasperated because like you, you feel sometimes like what what a missed opportunity he is, but I mean he is what he is you know, and he is who he is, you know, I've had a chance to, you know, meet him, be around him from, from an early age and sort of see how, how he is and what his background right is. And you have conversations with us and he's really a very smart guy. Thinks a lot about everything. And then you see the direction that his brain goes sometimes. And he just like, maybe that's how you, I'll just walk on past. I really got to listen to all that, but um, yeah, it's, the ones who really nail it are very, very rare, and and the ones who even try it right, are, are right. really, really rare. And even if you do have that that combination, you really do risk, you know, one people not listening to you, and also just buckling under the weight of people trying to trying to shut you up, and they can't take that sort of you know immense pressure, and it is so big because people are constantly reminding them of what they, have, what they have at stake, what, they, what can be taken away from them, uh, who really has control over them. And this sort of goes back to, to to your point, Bill, about, I mean, you know, whenever everything that we talk about constantly about uh, empowerment and things like that, you know, they're still employees. You know, they're still, in a sense, punching the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, they have big salaries, but they don't have equity. They don't have ownership. They don't have the level of power that the people who can silence them do have. and, that, and That's a lot to overcome.
1: For all of us, I mean, and I, yeah. as, I, as I've gotten older, I really had to think about, you know, our, our sphere as athletes, if, if I was covering, you know, the arts and talking about the sim- Blacks in the symphony orchestra, you know, and before you call on people to do something that's basically going to end their opportunity for generational wealth, you know, well, I do it? Would you do it? I mean, that's part as part of our jobs. We're, well, that's our job, you know. Do as I do, don't not do as I say now as I do, you know, you know. Um, but I guess that is the 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 big thing. And it kind of uh, gets back to the overall title of your book when you say it's always a choice. And isn't that whether it's in sports or other or individual acts of heroism or private? It's a choice. It's almost an individual choice for when you've had enough, when you decide enough is enough. And you say, I'm going to do something, even though it may end my employment, even though there may be consequences. So I guess that's the whole point when you say it's a choice. It's it's been a choice since we've been in this country. You know, how and what we're definitely outmanned, outgunned, you know, by all these people people that all this stuff and all this weaponry and all this stuff in the face of that, you know, when you just say, it's my choice to like say no to, to be a conscientious objector.
2: It, it is. And I think that if there was one thing I wanted to sort of put across is that I wanted people to sort of really understand. I think people understand it at a certain level, but it's not always that obvious when you sort of look back, at people uh, who, who do put themselves out there like that, that they've suffered consequences and have suffered losses that in a lot of ways we can't comprehend. You know, we talk about, you know, oh, he really gave up a lot uh, to do X, Y, and Z. And again, to sort of go back to Tommy Smith and John Carlos, you know, we know very well what they, uh, what they gave up Um And we, you know, we lionize them for it. We praise them. We talk about their courage. And, you know, decades later, we give them a bunch of awards. We give them plaques and trophies and name stuff after them and and stuff like that. But when they really were suffering from it, when they literally could not feed their families, when they were not allowed to compete, you know, when John Collins was going through everything that was going on with his family, when, you know. They were just dead, dead broke, and when you know people were just threatening their lives, putting feces in their mailbox, you know, sending them death threats and bomb threats all the time. They're always looking over their shoulders. You know, we are not conscious about that as often as we should be. You know, all they wanted to do was go out there and run, right? Play quarterback, play ball. You know, hope that that would get them above where they're, they, because, you know, we were all led to believe that like, oh, if we work hard enough, if we succeed, then all this nonsense that we got to go through as black people or as non-white people or as, you know, whoever you are, you know, it, it'll all be, it'll all even out, it'll all be equated. I will have overcome, I will have survived. And then we find, we learn an incredibly hard lesson after we have done all that. And these are the guys who said, well, I feel like I've kind of learned my lesson. I'm going to try to do something about it right now. And you know they're remembered forever, and you build a statue, statue to them later. And meanwhile, you know they've been, you know they they've been on food stamps or whatever for ten years, and you know have you know, barely barely gotten by. So, right, it's a difficult choice because you only go around once. And you know if you sacrifice for the greater good, you know you, there's a, there, there's an incredible cost that uh, that you have to pay a lot of times.
1: Yeah. Well, a guest has been the great Dave Steele. Uh, the book is "It Was Always a Choice," picking up the baton of athlete activism, and clearly, it's open-ended. This, this is, uh, this is no, this is existential. You could have volume two next year, then volume three, you know, because it really has no end. Uh, but. Uh, you know, thank you very much. This is great. And tell, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I know you're saying you're working for uh, Law 360. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what that is.
2: Uh, law 360 is a website owned by, uh, by LexisNexis. Uh, it's a legal news website. Uh, it's subscription only, uh, which is unfortunate for me because a whole lot of people ain't out there working for law firms and uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> reading everything I write about it. But um, uh, within you know over the summer the uh, summer of 2022 they began a sports uh and gaming vertical and uh they signed me on to uh uh to to write for them and write about just all the legal issues uh and litigation issues that go on in the world of sports so i've done a lot of writing about what's going on with Dan Snyder and the Commanders i've written about uh Brian Flores lawsuit uh against the NFL uh i've written about just uh uh union negotiations with it, with their leagues, uh, things that are going on in the Olympics, the, uh, FIFA, the IOC, you know, it's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty rich territory, uh, to write about. So, uh, they, they decided they that they'd expand into that because it's like kind of an untapped thing. So that's what I've been doing the last six months. And I've had an opportunity to do a few other, uh, I have a few other opportunities in some other fields, uh, uh, you know, during my time, uh, away from the full-time world, got a chance to write for Anscape a few times. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you can watch out and see see a few more pieces uh, uh, in there uh, about some of the uh, observations and other things that are going on. So it's really kind of a joy to be back involved in that. Uh, And I'm talking a lot about the book. I want people to Mm -hmm. go out there and buy it. (laughs) Uh, Available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, published by Temple University Press, same people that published uh, Silent Chester. So I'm incredibly grateful of that that they had faith in me to uh to 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 do that again uh, and you uh, no, that's why I'm right now I haven't uh, I haven't been silenced yet so <laughs> <laughs> that's great nor will you be that's I, great I'm, I'm gonna do my best
1: yeah that's great well, that's a great uh, David Steele longtime journalist longtime friend and he's got uh, an outstanding and and always topical book uh, it was always a choice picking up the baton of athlete and activism. Buy it, read it, let black folks be the experts on this. <laughs>
2: right. Thank you. Hey, hey, and, uh, that's, another, that's another show. That's- another-
1: <laughs> <laughs> white, 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 white allies and white carpetbaggers. Those who... Those who profit off the back of black folks' struggles. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Two-part episode.
2: Yeah, yeah at least. It.
1: Yeah, that's another, that's another book, you know. Yeah. yeah. Thanks,
2: David. You're the best, man.
1: appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Thanks a lot. you so much for having
2: me on. Appreciate it. All Guys, right. take care.
0: You too. Right.
1: That was a great David Steele uh, and a great book. Um, and we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be on with, with more misery from the world of sports. Welcome back to Bill Roden Sports. sports um, here uh, upstate New York, starting to snow uh, Jamal Murphy in Brooklyn. Well, I'm not sure if it's snowing.
0: No, I, is the snow coming this way? I don't, don't know.
1: know. I don't know. I'll just end it here. Now it's coming here, <laughs> right. so, you know, but yeah, um, a couple different things, man. Number one, Jamal, mm-hmm. for our next podcast, you got to give us your final black quarterback rankings.
0: Okay. Yeah. We got uh, it. We got it.
1: Kind of ended meekly with with Dak and Justin, and you know now Pat Mahomes is hurt. You know, yeah, a bu- yeah, a
0: bunch of hurt guys. Like you, you know, remember Murray, uh, Kyler yeah. Murray had a bad season. He was hurt. Uh, not even non hurt guys were terrible. Uh, Russell Wilson had a terrible <laughs> season. Terrible. Watson didn't do anything this year. That was, that was a little disappointing.
1: At, at least you could argue, maybe that. He got better each week. He seems to become guess. more
0: comfortable. but Brissett looked better. <laughs> Brissett looked better than him this year.
1: That is, no, definitely, definitely. But I guess they figured, well, you know, we're preparing for next year. We got to pay those
0: guys. But we did. Have, we did have a couple guys. Uh, a few guys really just shoot up out of nowhere. Have 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 great seasons. I, uh, led by Jalen Hurts, who's a you know MVP candidate, uh, has a chance to get to the Super Bowl next week uh Tua, we, we don't know what Tua's future is with the concussions but when he was healthy he was very very good uh had yeah. miami actually you know uh looking like a playoff contender uh and um uh, my guy my guy who my guy who i predicted would be good uh justin fields i think uh cemented himself as a as one of the guys we need to watch for in the future ran for over a thousand yards uh I like the way he looked in the pocket with some passes. They got the number one pick. I don't think they're going to trade that for, you know, for some other rookie quarterback. So I think uh, he's in good shape. You know? yeah.
1: yeah. But a guy uh, out in Seattle, man, don't forget Oh, Geno
0: Smith. Yes. Geno
1: going to be the comeback player of the year. That's right. Probably.
0: That's right. And but that I one saw – I did see uh, Mel Kuyper's mock draft this morning, and he has Seattle picking a quarterback in the first round. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Geno, <laughs> <Gino>, thanks. But <laughs> – we don't. We also don't believe that, that we think this is a one-hit wonder.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah. So uh, just to close this out, man, I guess the big story to him is, is uh, Ed Reed. Right, uh, Ed Reed, who was poised to become the head coach at Bethune Cookman. I thought Bethune Cookman thought they were going to have another Dion on their hand, and it had not quite worked out like that. Um, what, what, what do you think about that? I know that students were protesting. Some students were protesting, uh, and I guess today, Wednesday, there's supposed to be some. You know, they're bringing in some players to talk to students and all that. But what, what's your take about what happened at uh, the beginning, middle, and end of of uh, Ed Reed at Patoon Cookman?
0: Yeah, I mean, it just it just looked like uh, you know a match that wasn't quite made in heaven. Uh, not like they they might have rushed that decision like you said trying to really just copy the success that jackson state had it you know it never i never really even took it seriously because it wasn't official um you know i was waiting for, for the official word it never it never happened and then you see uh ed reed pop up on social media and and go off and, I, and honestly i didn't i never i still haven't seen that the initial the initial rant i just couldn't you know i'm you know i just i just shook my head and i was like no nah, this this isn't it right here
1: yeah. I'm sure they they thought that too. Said, you know, maybe it's a good thing that we kind of let this percolate because now we get the chance to see who this guy is. You know, yeah, right. If he's doing that when he's not hired, what's right. he gonna do when he is hired? And he's in right. the contract, you know, yikes. Right. So I was wondering, well, maybe Dion, you know, maybe Dion will take him on to Colorado. You know, well, I don't, maybe, I don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe. Maybe that's so? I mean, has it's, that, poss- has it's that possible. That
1: invitation been issued. I haven't heard Deion say that. <laughs> you know, well, we'll take him on. You know.
0: I mean, it could be. What, it could be like you know, a defensive backs coach or something like that. And that's that's not right. a bad. That's not a bad situation. But I mean, you know, I mean, even for if you're Ed Reed. You you under, you should understand where you're going. You can't you know get there and complain about about the resources. You need to do your own research and and right. and and figure out what's going on there and not be surprised by by anything and know what you know what kind of job you're taking on. So you know I, I don't I don't I don't like when when the coaches start complaining about you know HBCUs lacking funds. We, yeah. I mean this is I mean okay you know you 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 didn't know what the situation was you know each you know wherever you go is going to have issues and and that's that's currently one of them at, at some hbcus but to you know yeah. it, it just adds to the whole stereotypical uh you know mess that, that that a lot of people say about black institutions period so
1: yeah that's exhausting so we'll keep our eye on that to see if uh if Dion brings it to colorado don't hold your breath you yeah know? uh cuz you know it you know Ed Reed doesn't look like Deion Samuel. Deion didn't have beards and facial hair. And, you
0: know that's true. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this about Deion, because uh, I've had this conversation. What 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 are the what are what are our, our expectations for him in Colorado in the first couple of years? And what kind of patience are these? You know, will oh. these white institutions have for Deion? I mean, he's oh, he brings on, a man. whole show. Everything's a show. Everything every every meeting in the locker room is a show. Everything is you know. Oh. I mean, how is this going to play?
1: And that play, but see, it plays well at Jackson State because it's a whole, we just so have your hair and you're you're bringing a top black recruit to Jackson State. Well, out there, top black recruits are Already? supposed to <laughs> be to the white school. It's not like, hey, we got the number 15, guy, you know, now you're competing against, uh, you know, USC, USC, right? And UCLA and Oregon and all that. That's why all these brothers are supposed to be going, and you're going to be doing like your the Deion Sanders show. Uh, hopefully, for him, he'll do well. I mean, it'll be great if he does well, just at a very personal level that he experienced success. But it ain't the same. They ain't throwing him no parade. They're saying, "We want, you know, you know, come on, Negro, you know, you on the clock. Right. You know, we want you to, you know, run and jump and bring all those resources you will bring to Mississippi out here in Colorado." Right and and ain't gonna be no, you know, throwing you a parade just because you're here.
0: Right. So or go, or so, getting six wins or six or seven wins. So yeah,
1: that might be a lot.
0: I mean, it, it, it it is. I mean, in reality, it's a lot. But you know, yeah. they, I think they won two games last year.
1: Yeah, yeah. So hmm. if, right. So if they get six wins and get invited to a bowl game,
0: yeah, that's a that's a that, that, that's a that's a successful season by far.
1: that, that could know. be a victory. But then it's okay. What are you going to do next year?
0: Right. Eventually, yeah. they're gonna give him about two or three years to, to be a real contender.
1: Right. I mean, all the all
0: this all the mess he talks.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we, you know, so we'll see. I hope he does well. Um, I hope to, I hope Jackson State does well. And remember, he got beat twice, right, in the Celebration Bowl, right. So it wasn't like he could get waltz off and talk about. You he know, domi-
0: he didn't. Yeah, he didn't dominate HBCUs. Yeah. I mean, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't win one Celebration Bowl
1: one celebration bowl chance. So we'll see, but just at a personal level, I hope he does well. Right. You know, he has a good experience and all that. Uh, and I hope that Ed Reed.
0: Um, right. Gets his chance.
1: Decides, yeah. gets it. he may, this whole thing may, he may think, you know, I'm not really head coaching material. Cause mm. I gotta be a diplomat. Mm. I gotta be a, um, I've gotta be a, a politician, you know, to deal with these people, man, you know, you got to, do a lot of other stuff yeah you know particularly you're just first
0: year and, and particularly as a college coach you probably have to do less stuff as a pro head coach than you do in college you got to deal with alumni and boosters mm-hmm. and administration and the, the kids. kids you got to put you got to be the face like the you know the the public speaking face of a of a franchise you know
1: yeah yeah so he may decide I'm sure everybody's learned lessons. <laughs> and, and I'm sure even the, the hierarchy, you know, they're finger pointing, you know, whether it's Reggie Theus, Reggie, who, was this your idea? You
0: is is, is Theus the AD?
1: Yeah, Theus is the AD. Wow. Because, yeah. you know, Ed Reed was on him. You know, he's about oh, this guy, Theus is evil. He's evil. You know?
0: <laughs> I got to go look back and listen to the... Oh,
1: to the- <laughs> go back, man. He's like, oh, brother, you know, it's tough, man. And Reggie Theus' ain't just got on the Hall of Fame ballot for the NBA. And uh-huh. Ed Reed, I'm already in the Hall of Fame. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: I, I want to be. Yeah,
0: I'll give I'll give the playing career to Ed Reed for you know, I, I'll I'll take him over uh, Reggie Theus. Sorry. Reggie Reg, sorry. Reg.
1: About, you know Reggie got fired about 3 times. we had to call up his resume, but He's yeah. been a – he got fired from, a, I think, a couple college coaching jobs. Yep. Uh, a pro coaching job. Yep. You know. Yeah, he's so, been around. Bethune Cookman, you know. And, again, it's like the celebrity thing. Okay, we'll let you be – the AD, even though you've never been an AD before, we'll let you be an AD, and we'll let you coach our basketball team because and you and
0: you to. and you can still be a, a host on Sirius XM. I think he he was hosting Sirius XM for NBA show, and I'm like, is not this guy an AD somewhere?
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, we doing like do it, do it all. You know, well, hey man, I, you know HBCU, I can kind of do with it, there, you know. Right. So uh, it's unbelievable, but I think too many times, you know, these guys, you know, who you know, go to these, you know, these big white these white schools. And then when the white man slams the door in their face, you know, this all right, we'll come to an HBCU right. and the back of my head, we're doing you a favor. Right. You know, and and when in fact, that, no, we're doing you a favor. You
0: know? Right. No, you're right. And that, and I that was, that's the one, that's the argument on Dion that, that, you know, resonated with me, with me the most in terms of, you know, he, like, the, he would not have gotten a head coaching opportunity Anywhere other than an HBCU because they were willing to take that chance. And then right. because and now, because you have that experience, it allows you to go other places. And, right. you know, I don't think that they give back that recognition uh, or that they they, they they really maybe they truly don't understand that, you know, they, they you know, it's neglected. But um, that's obviously a huge, huge deal.
1: Oh, yeah. You we're know? giving you. Yeah. I mean, you had a lot of folks, man, who are at these big white schools. And post-George Floyd, they're now, you know, and I'm sure at some point they may have run into this, this granite ceiling, you know, right. and they want to go. But I do think sometimes in the back of their mind, it's a missionary mentality. We're doing you a favor because we've been around the white man.
0: Right, and,
1: right. You know, I even heard Roland Martin, and heaven knows I don't want to, you know, get on his radar screen. But, you know, I'm not sure where, but. You know, but Roland, had, he had a, actually had a good show. He was, he had on the president of uh, of Bethune-Cookman mm-hmm. and all that. But again, he was again, beating up black institutions, you know, talking about we as black people got to be honest with each other. We got to be honest, you know, you know, and that's kind of, it sounds good, you know, when you say that we got to tell each other the truth, right. but at the end of the day, it ends up bashing black institutions. Right. Uh, and then he said, "I didn't go to. I got to. I, I got I to gotta Google where Roland Martin went to school."
0: I thought he did I, go to a black. He said he didn't.
1: I don't think he did. Maybe I don't not. think he did. We have, mm. we have to Google it. But anyway, um, all right, man. Anything else? Uh, I, I, we got the. Uh, <laughs> we got to end up with the NFL, right? We got to yeah. talk about. We have to talk NFL football.
0: Talk NFL. It's their big. It's their big weekend. One of their big weekends. AFC NFC Championship game. You got who? You got Bill? You got uh, a hurt Mahomes um, up against uh, Joe Cool, uh, Joe Burrow.
1: That's going to be tough because you know the thing we've talked about this before. We talk about the black quarterback ranking. This is like the worst possible scenario in terms of revolutionary black quarterback. You know because you got a a a young white boy, you know, in San Francisco with a rookie right <laughs> getting ready to go to the super bowl right. you know no experience then of course you got joe burrow they call joe cool yeah you know appropriating black style right you know, you got, they show him coming in with a sunglasses yeah. gold
0: sunglasses. gold chain gold <laughs> chain yeah, i didn't see the gold chain. <laughs> oh he got the go he, he got the gold <laughs> chain uh, but I'll give it to Burrow. Burrow. Burrow is at least he's a good guy. He, you know, he he's one of the few uh, white athletes who actually will say will, will stand up for black people on social media. Black Lives yeah. Matter. will say so. I'll give I'll give Burrow credit. But um, but and, he, and on the field, he is an absolute killer. I'll give him that. Like he he, I don't know, man. He <laughs> he comes up big in, in big games. Um, but the the killer is you know Mahomes isn't going to be hundred percent. So it's kind of an unfair fight. You know, I guess, yeah. But I guess it's an excuse if he loses.
1: Yeah, no, well, you know, that's, that's kind of, oh, by the way, so Roland Martin, uh, I guess he went to Texas A&M University.
0: Oh, he did? Okay. Uh,
1: he got a degree at Texas A&M University and a mm. master's degree uh, in Christian communications from Louisiana Baptist University.
0: Okay. Okay. So he didn't go to HBCU.
1: Then. He didn't go to HBCU. But, you know, he'll tell you that He's been on several HBCU campuses and talked to several, you know, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But um, yeah, it's, it's all good. So um, yeah, man, that's gonna be. I I, I hope that Kansas City says. Oh, and you see where what thing gets fired as an offensive coordinator at Tampa Bay.
0: Leftwich, yeah,
1: Leftwich. You know, after we've been campaigning for him to be a head coach, or so head coach, we're going to fire him as a coordinator.
0: That's exactly. And that, that's why I always worry about the enemy. You got to, you gotta you know, white as, assistant coaches, they get the jobs while they're hot. They don't make them sit around for five years. So wait till, we, wait till, wait we till we the bad it. season comes, which, which <laughs> in, inevitably is going to come a bad season. And then you're, 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 and you're the scapegoat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you are fail. <laughs> it's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, you were You were great. Three years in a row, but now now you now it's your fault. You know. Right. And Bowles keeps his, Bowles keeps his job somehow, you know. So
1: Well, thank it was his first year. They yeah. can't find yeah. both. Uh, yeah. you know, I would have taken he left got,
0: with over Bowles, to, to be honest, but yeah. I don't yeah, know. Well, but Bo, well, Bowles, Bowles hasn't been uh, you know, he he's a
1: friend of the program,
0: man. Yeah, I guess uh, is he? <laughs>
1: well <laughs> he's a friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tony Dungy. So yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I did, uh, right, right, right. I did, I, week did week. I did see Bowles uh, re- like get mad at a question about about black coaches uh, in the middle of the season. He was asked about I don't know if you saw it. They asked him about you know being a black coach, and he he he, he wanted no parts of that question. Is like I'm just a coach, and yeah. I don't want you know I don't talk about that, and we don't you know um, blah blah blah. You know I was like oh no, don't do it, Todd. Yeah, I
1: know that's that's kind of a problem. Yeah, yeah
0: that's but, a problem. But you know, um, whatever. But anyway, you know, it's good. He'll be well, he's there next year. Um, but what about okay on the other side? The other side, you got the NFC, and you mentioned uh, the rookie quarterback Purdy for San Francisco, who who just outplayed Dak. Of I mean, that was that's just ridiculous. Tremendous. Dak let Dak let this guy outplay him. Some some rookie, and I feel I you know I know people think this is going to be a close game. I think I think Philly is you know I think I think Philly is the better team here um they're at home they have a like i said they have a top three quarterback this year in, in jalen hurts i just don't yeah. see i don't uh, if it would be a catastrophe don't you if don't they lose see
2: it.
1: don't say you don't see it because that's, that's <laughs> that left hook i didn't see it <laughs> i didn't see it coming you know they gotta uh, but, they
0: gotta win this game man philly gotta win this uh, game.
1: yeah i mean because if not if if it's purdy if oh. it's san francisco and uh cincinnati in the super bowl Just think, what you have to hear, Mm. like, you know, uh, yeah. My only issue, if if I guess if um, Kansas City wins, at least Mahomes has a couple weeks.
0: That's true, and he'll be he'll be an absolute, uh, you know, Willis Reed type legend if he wins if he wins that game on on pretty much one foot. Uh, You know, and then like you said, he'll have two two weeks.
1: So let me ask you this. Who who are the brothers in the barbershop, in the black barbershop? Who are the brothers cheering for when, uh, okay, when Philadelphia plays San Francisco, seems obvious, who are the brothers pulling for? And when uh, Cincinnati plays Kansas City, who are the brothers pulling for? And if Kansas City were to play Philadelphia, who are the brothers pulling for?
0: Mm. I mean, well, Definitely, they're pulling for Hurts uh, and Mahomes in those in those two games, right? Um, and then if so if, they if they play each, if other. They played each other, I think you know, it's, you know, you know, we're we're not a homogenous community, you know. It'd be split, <laughs> as, as as they say, you know. I think it'd be pretty much split. You know, you got you have your Mahomes fans, you have your Hurts fans. Some people, right. some people probably won't give a fuck who wins. They'll be like, right. <laughs> either <laughs> either one, I'll be happy.
1: Okay, well that, then you could this. like when when. uh, Chicago played. Uh, with Lovey Smith faced Tony Dungy, right in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can mm-hmm. just kind of. Or Hurts. you know, might
0: root for Hertz Hur- because it would be he'll get a Super Bowl. it will be his first. I mean, Mahomes has one.
1: Right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And I, I think I think Hurts has just such a great story. Oh yeah. You know, Being benched at halftime by fucking Lou Saban. Yeah. And then coming back from that, getting yeah. ready to go to Oklahoma, have a great career. Yeah, And drafted. I mean, I think that's really a phenomenal story.
0: No, it's, it is phenomenal. Second round pick. He wasn't supposed to be this guy. You know, he wasn't supposed to. Well, you know what
1: happened? They say that, and I have to look at the timeline, that they say Lamar Jackson really helped uh, him raise his stock. Right. Because I think Lamar had that great year.
0: Yeah, yeah the MVP year. MVP
1: year. And I think that may have been the year that Hurst that was going to get drafted.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds familiar.
1: Absolutely. Oh, all right. Well, okay. And we see this got running around.
0: <laughs> yeah, it so, is, and they, and that's almost you know. I think Wentz was there when they drafted him, um, so he was almost looked at as like, okay, you know, we could use him in packages. We could use his running ability, and that right. type of thing. And, and lo and behold, he, tur- he turned out to be a complete quarterback.
1: Yeah, yeah. Lo and behold. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, everybody. Um, you know what'd you say subscribe what's your spiel
0: subscribe and like the podcast wherever you get your podcast uh we're everywhere uh where you get your podcast whether it's apple podcast stitcher spotify all that uh keep following us on social media at bros pod on twitter and instagram uh bill Roden on sports on facebook and bros pod on youtube so we're all over check us out and continue listening we appreciate it
1: all right y'all you continue to be safe Great.